The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're right in the midst of of working through this book, Christian Healing by Charles Fillmore, and we've been having a great time. Last week, we did not have any um, shows on Unity Online Radio, so it's going to take me to the rest of this month to actually finish this book because next week I will not have a show because I will be speaking at the International New Thought Alliance 100th Congress. So therefore, um, I will not have a show next week. The week after that, I have to take care of something. So after this show, I will not have any shows for two weeks and I'll do the last chapter of this book, which is Lesson 12 on Love on the 29th of July. So I wanted to make sure that I got that out there. So when people say, wait a minute, you know, I didn't have any show download to, uh, to my phone or to my tablet or whatever, because many of you all listen to the show via iTunes or Stitcher. I wanted to make sure that you are aware of that. Again, after today, the next two weeks, I won't have any shows because next week I'll be at the INTA 100th Congress and the week after that, I have to take care of some stuff. So let's get right to it. Again, if you do not have this book, Christian Healing, by Charles Fillmore, my request is that you actually get the book. You can find free versions online. You can 
pay for it for a minimal cost on your iTunes or Play Store. You can do many things to get it. You can obviously go buy a real physical book and make that work as well. So let's get right to it. Today's chapter is on judgment and justice, judgment and justice. And as we've gone on in this book, Christian Healing, one of the things you might have noticed is Charles Fillmore gives a lot of fundamental material in this book in the first half. And then he starts to talk about some of these spiritual faculties, which ended up developing into his concept of the 12 powers of man. Initially, he's just covering the the fundamentals of thought and and, and, uh, the Christ idea and our concepts of God, you know, how to pray and et cetera. But starting with, especially with lesson seven, he started to go into how we work with these faculties. And obviously I did a a very long and detailed uh, explanation of the faculty judgment or wisdom when I taught how to use your 12 gifts from God last year. So I would strongly suggest, well, that was either last year or earlier this year, I think it was last year, how to use your 12 gifts from God. So I would strongly suggest you go back and listen to that podcast how to use your 12 gifts from God, the one I did on judgment or wisdom. It was one of the first four or five that I did. So judgment was the original name of the faculty that Charles Fillmore used in his concept of the 12 powers. Uh, we now use the term wisdom, but originally it was judgment and judgment was supposed to be judgment, wisdom. And he also liked to use this term justice. Sometimes he uses, as he does in this chapter, the word discrimination, not discrimination in the sense of prejudice or bias, discrimination in the sense of knowing what to set aside and what to accept. Anybody that really wants to evolve in life has to know what they're saying no to as much as to what they say yes to. What ends up happening many times is we've taken words and we've misused it, like the word judgment uh, has been misused to, to mean Criticism. Judgment can mean making a decision or choice about what is best for you and yours or that which you are responsible for. For example, um, there are going to be times in this book where he when he's talking about judgment, about not judging any person. I agree with that from the standpoint of criticism. But say, for instance, you're responsible for outcomes. Say, for instance, you're a uh, your your own boss, say, for instance, you're a manager or a supervisor, et cetera, and the choices and decisions you make determine the outcomes, determine if people get paid, it determines the uh, <clears throat> the ability of your organization to prosper. So you can't just say, well, I can't make decisions or choices based upon what this person is or isn't doing. It has to be you have to have expectations. When you are in those type of settings, when you're in a situation, a circumstance, if you're a, a parent, you have to have some level of expectation. That doesn't mean criticism, but you have to be able to make some choices. You have to use the faculty of judgment to rightly decide um, using the inner wisdom of God, not based upon just your personal opinions and things of that nature, but based upon your your the inner wisdom of God, also your own talent, your own experience, and all those other things that you utilize to make sure that you are in alignment with the truth of God in you. When you do all of these things, it allows you to make good choices. Now, here's the thing. 
that has nothing to do with criticizing people on social media. That has nothing to do with being all in all in the uh, in the tabloids and things of that nature. It can mean that if you're looking for judgment and justice, you hold your, for instance, uh, elected officials accountable, your leaders accountable, etc. So these are things that we need to make sure that we have a balance on. When we start talking about the faculty of judgment or wisdom. The, the wisdom or judgment faculty is the decision-making faculty in the sense of it has the ability to um, be, well, how do I want to use it? When you exercise judgment or wisdom, you tend to get more or quicker results, more immediate or quicker results. What do I mean by that? When you make a choice, choices have consequences. When you say certain things, Certain things you say have consequences. When you don't do certain things, when you don't do certain things, there are consequences. Consequences are are amoral. They have no morals. So, therefore, a consequence just is. As, as Scripture says, God is not a respecter of persons. In other words, when you put activate divine law into expression, you got to recognize that that's a part of the wisdom or judgment faculty. So, Let's get into what Mr. Fillmore talks about. But before I do that, I wanted to just quickly read this definition because I thought it was powerful. Justice. Uh, Just behavior or treatment as a noun. A concern for justice, peace, and genuine respect for people. Synonyms. Fairness. Fair play. Fair-mindedness. Equity. Even-handedness. Impartiality. Objectivity. Neutrality, honesty, righteousness, morals, morality. So when you start dealing with it from the standpoint of judgment, I started to uh, think about the scripture that Jesus taught that many people know is one of the more famous scriptures, Matthew 6.33, where Jesus states, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It could also, based upon the English language, I'm not saying Aramaic, Hebrew, or Greek. I'm talking about the English language. What if we just change that to seek first the kingdom of God and his justice? It just it, it changes it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his justice, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, because we use righteousness to, as a way of 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 religious piety and righteousness just means thinking in alignment with divine principle. You know, righteousness spiritually is that which is in alignment with divine mind. So just like a, a human judge is supposed to make choices based upon either the federal or state or county constitutions or whatever. I don't know if the counties have constitutions. I know they have policy, but I know the state has a constitution in the, in the United States because I don't know where this is going. The federal government has the, the United States constitution and every state has a constitution. The federal government's constitution overrides all state constitutions. Therefore, a judge has to base the decisions based upon the law. Well, in divine law, divine law, spiritual law, that which we do or not do is based upon 
the concept of a whole, a holistic, uh, a universe that is in divine order. So when we make choices and decisions that are out of alignment with that, that's the standard is measured against. So when you say seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or his justice, that means that it is being that we are seeking the divine harmonious way something is supposed to work in God. Anyway, moving right along, because he gives a lot of information at the top of this that um, I'm not going to go to in great detail about the breastplates and all of that other stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But what he does talk about is on page 120 is at the bottom paragraph, a modern metaphysician would interpret all this as signifying the omnipresence of divine idea, divine mind and its perfect idea, Christ. Truth is ready at all times to give judgment and justice. Now, I'm going to say something that seems as though it's out of alignment with truth, but I, but it's not. And I want you to make sure that you get what I'm about to say. God as law is impartial to an extent that's justice. At t- but at the same time, God as grace, as divine love, is unmerited favor. For whatever reason, it seems, as Eric Butterworth wrote and discovered the power within, it seems that we're always sowing more than we're good than we, we're always reaping more good than we have sown. And it seems as though even when we're really, really out of balance, there's something that tends to kick in to, to, to attempt to put us back. We don't always accept it, but to attempts to put us back in divine order. So, so the God as divine law will give you the byproduct of your own thinking, your own choices, your own beliefs, your own words, your own actions. That's justice in divine law. Literally. Sometimes when we look at justice, we look at it from the standpoint of somebody that's, that's, you know, that's my advocate. Instead of looking at the true justice is that that which is mine by right of consciousness, no person can take from me. That which is mine by right of consciousness, no person can take from me. Just let that sit. That which is mine by right of consciousness, no person can take from me. When I develop the consciousness of a thing, it is. I was reading um, a biography last week of uh, on Joe Goldsmith by Lorraine Sinkler, who was one of his top students, one of the people who helped him produce books. She was one of his editors along with her sister. And at, towards his later years, latter years, he moved to Hawaii, got remarried, et cetera, et cetera. And he asked Lorraine to come to Hawaii and he started to talk about, you know, what she needed to do to help them grow the infinite way, his organization in the near future that same year. And 
And she was like, hold up, Joel. This is my interpretation. Hold up, Joel. It took me a lot to just get here to Hawaii from Chicago. Now, you're talking about coming back multiple times again. And according to her, what she wrote, Joel Goldsmith laughed at her and said to the people that were with them, ha, she still thinks this is about money. And what he was trying to convey to her was this. Get the consciousness of I'll be in Hawaii as many times as I need to. And you will be in Hawaii as many times as you need to. And the money will demonstrate itself. And it made her think, contemplate. And guess what? She came back to Hawaii two more times that year. Now, Goldsmith, they got to the point where he realized that it was the realization of truth that answered things. But truth shows up in the form of money, in the form of health, in the form of uh, business ideas, in the form of harmony in your family, in the form of love, in the form of wisdom, in the form of seek first the kingdom of God, the presence of God, God's counsel, God's activity, the truth of God in you, the Christ mind in you. Seek first the kingdom of God and its, it says, scripture says his, but I'm saying it's righteousness, it's justice, and all these things will be added unto you. That's spiritual justice. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What what are the things? The things are whatever you need to show up in your three-dimensional everyday life to make your life work in harmony with what you are tasked to do or choose to do. Just be clear with that. All right, we're we're coming up to about one minute before our first break, and I want to make sure that I do give you an opportunity to call in if you so choose. The number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I know I have live listeners out there. Most of the time you all don't call. I get the reports like, wow, all these people were listening and nobody called in. So call in, ask your questions, or make comments. It, it helps uh, let people know that, you know, that which you're getting, they might be getting, or your comment might help clarify some stuff they're working with, or your question might help clarify some things. So please make sure that you you call in to make your comments or questions. If you have a comment to give or you have a question to ask. Also, please be reminded that uh, this show, along with all the other shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. I realize that the majority of the people listen to the, our shows via podcast or they go back to the website later. So I am requesting that you go to unity.fm, click on the donate button, and make sure that you support this online ministry. It makes a difference. What we're doing today and what we've been doing for the last several years with this uh, online radio station and what we will do in the future is helping shift the consciousness of humanity. So with that, we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley, host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm on now on page 120 still, actually page 120, bottom of page 120 on in the book Christian Healing. The book goes on to say, uh, As God is love, so God is justice. These qualities are in divine mind in unity, but they are made manifest in man's consciousness too often in diversity. It is through the Christ mind in the heart that they are unified. When justice and love meet at the heart center, they are balanced, poised, and righteous, and righteousness. They are balanced, poised, and righteousness. What does this mean? He explains right after that, when judgment is divorced from love and works from the head alone, there goes forth the human cry for justice. It is in his mere human judgment, man is hard and heartless. He deals out punishment without consideration of motive or cause and justice goes awry. So part of justice is knowing the law and knowing the standard, but also having enough love to look at the entire context. In other words, there's the, there's the letter of the law and then there's the spirit of the law in the context of human justice. And many times when we're making decisions, sometimes the this is the hard decision that needs to be made. But sometimes that hard decision that needs to be made is not um, accounting for other factors that sometimes you just need to be mindful of. You know, one of the things that amazes me at times is on social media, for instance, when I see people do something I consider horrific, which is how they embarrass their children, cut their hair off in front of on Facebook or whatever, or Twitter. You know, the, the kid didn't go to school. The kid, you know, was clowning on social media. Or the kid did whatever, something they weren't supposed to do. And people make this, in my opinion, horrendous judgment to try to dish out justice or or discipline in a but it's actually abuse so they're trying to quote unquote get their child to act right but they're using something that 
if they actually stopped and thought about it, one, is it wise? No, it's not. Two, is it compassionate? No, it's not. And then three, what are you passing on to your children as a way of handling things? So because many times many people were embarrassed by or they felt as though they were embarrassed or abused by their children. They just continually passed this form of abuse on to others. You know, another thing would be how people at times just blow up on people that they care about. I preached about this last Sunday at Christ Universal Temple that sometimes the people that we love the most are actually affected the most by our lack of divine order in our souls. So when we don't deal with what's going on in our own souls, when we're not making wise choices, when we're not loving ourselves, when we're not making um, wise choices about how we handle our own balance as far as uh, health, that could be food, that could be exercise, that could be getting enough sleep or rest when it comes to dealing with the issues in our lives. For instance, if something traumatic happens in your space, instead of suppressing it and then allowing it to blow up on the person who you believe is responsible for it, or even worse, somebody who doesn't even know anything about it, but they're just getting the aftershocks of your internal earthquakes, uh, we need to be mindful that we need to deal with those things so we don't have the blow-ups. We don't have the explosions. We're not snapping off. We're not acting imbalanced. That has a lot to do with wisdom because wisdom says, will this behavior get me what I really want out of life? For instance, you know, there's some people who go off and then they, you know, um, you know, they could be at work or they could be talking to their children or they could be talking to a spouse or they could be talking to a friend and they go off. I was having a conversation with some cousins of mine and they were talking about um, somebody that they knew that goes off on people and like totally goes off and even on the person's parents and I just kept asking the question, well, in the short term, this person might get what they think they want. In other words, um, you're going to, quote unquote, respect me. You're going to listen to me. I'm standing up for what I believe and what's right and et cetera. But in the long term, they're not getting what they want because, one, that's coming from a place of fear because if you really are secure in who you are, you don't have to go off like that to get your point across. You don't have to stand up like that. You can be powerful as as uh, uh, President Roosevelt used to say, uh, uh, talk softly and carry a big stick. You don't have to be demonstrative to be powerful. The other thing is, it's not getting what you want out of the relationship. If you are if if you're uh, mistreating employees, you're going to have a negative work environment, and they won't be able to produce at the level that you desire to get the results you want, which affects not only their bottom line, your bottom line, meaning your pocket, but the overall morale and energy of the company. If it's with a spouse, you know, how is that working? Where if you are making choices to say and do things that are out of alignment with what you want out of that, which should be compassion, love, support, uh, security, um, honesty, you know, integrity, et cetera, will going off get you what you desire maybe in the short 
term, you feel as though you've stood up for your rights. But in all actuality, without dealing with whatever the issues are that are going on in your soul, the only thing that's really happening is you're eroding it. Many times people get mad about those type of things. Don't say, for instance, what family member or, chi- or your child, they get mad about an issue and they have a legitimate issue that they're addressing. Uh, it could be, you know, trust was violated, meaning your word was violated. It's the integrity of something is is not where it needs to be at many levels. It could be for many various reasons. But without and, and, and the spiritual people, we don't give ourselves permission to feel anything other than. Oh, happy am I, you know, I'm love, I'm whatever, et cetera, which I'm not tripping on. But what I am saying is sometimes when you're angry, you got to deal with that and you got to process it and you got to forgive it and you got to do the work. And then when you do the work and you're actually very clear in your communication, what the breakdown is, communicate what that breakdown is if it's with another individual and then be clear about what the expectations are going forward, then you can process that. But what ends up happening many times is <laughs> uh, we suppress it because we're good spiritual folks or good Christians or good true students or whatever. We don't deal with the energies of our anger, our frustration, our anxiety or whatever. We push it down. We pretend that it's not there. And then it shows up uh, in ugly ways as it can show up as the illnesses. It can show up as the uh, inharmonious relationships. It can show up as lack of effectiveness in our jobs. It can show up in many ways. But what ends up happening is uh, until we actually address it, we get, we are actually corroding the things that matter to us because we're not expressing our best selves in those experiences. So we're not getting out of it what we really need. And that doesn't work. I strongly suggest to anybody that's walking around with with the anger and the frustration is to do the forgiveness work. You know, get the books, get the CDs, uh, do the work that you need to do. Do the processes, write it out, et cetera. It's so many, so much material on forgiveness. It's almost unreal. Obviously, get my CD from last Sunday. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, the forgiveness process uh, at Christ Universal Temple. That being said, if you do the work, then you won't have the explosions. And if you don't have the explosions, you don't have to do the cleanup later. And that counts. That's called good wisdom. All right. All right. Back to page 121. Wow, I'm, I'm looking at the time and it's getting away from me. And I have a lot of chapter to cover. All right. Page 121. All right. Uh, bottom paragraph. The metaphysician finds it necessary to place his judgment in the absolute in order to demonstrate its supreme power. This is accomplished by one's first declaring that one's judgment is spiritual and not material, that its origin is in God, that all its conclusions are based on truth, and that they are absolutely free from prejudice, false sympathy, and personal ignorance. I love that. I absolutely love that. Now, just because you affirm this a few times does not mean that it is so. What you're trying to do is shift your mind to say, okay, God, Allow, you know, not allow me. I am creating 
a space to be as clear of a vehicle as I possibly can. What does that mean? Free of prejudice, free of false sympathy, free, free of personal ignorance. Because then you can exercise wisdom at its highest level or as the highest level you can understand. Because I don't think if God is infinite, then there is no highest anything in God. God just keeps getting bigger because that's what infinity means. No limit. So there can technically be no limit in God. There's no such thing as, quote unquote, making it. You just keep growing, you know, based upon if God really is omnipresence, omnipotence, omniscience, and I believe God is, that means even Jesus is still growing. Or anybody who you uh, link up to as having who you would consider the highest or most elevated levels of consciousness. There's no such thing as a soul being complete in God, but you can be really high level and hopefully all of us who are working with this are striving to be transparencies for truth. So what does wisdom look like outside of my own prejudices? And anybody that says they don't have prejudices are are not telling the truth. We all have our personal prejudices because we grow up within a context. You know, uh, you know, my mom didn't like certain songs I listened to. I don't like certain music that the kids, you know, that, I, that are played for my daughter's age. And my nieces and nephews. I listen and I'll tell them, huh, you know, that's not that's not singing. That's not rap. Those guys don't know how to play uh, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. But those are the exact same things that I remember my parents and aunties and uncles and grandparents told me and my siblings and cousins. That's a prejudice. My, my thing is better than your thing. My way is better than your way. My viewpoint is is superior to yours. And let's not even get into the how people have prejudices about race, about gender, about religion, about nationality, et cetera, et cetera. Free of false sympathy, in other words, that we're not there's nothing wrong with being sympathetic. You know, at at, at C U T we use the term be empathetic. But when it's all said and done, it's just be compassionate. But not in the sense of being so out of alignment with that, that we don't make the hard calls that sometimes need to be made in our own lives that sometimes can affect others. As long as it's done in the spirit of harmony and the golden rule, doing to others as you want others to do unto you in wisdom and et cetera, sometimes you got to go forward. And again, personal ignorance. Let me not make decisions based upon what I don't know, my lack of knowledge, et cetera. Because here's the thing about spirit. If you're open and receptive, spirit can use you beyond your uh, uh, otherwise known capacity. Uh, Jesus took 12 what, what the world would call uneducated peasants and changed the world. Twelve undereducated. He went to people who were fishermen, 
primarily. Talk to them at the docks and said, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. So don't tell me what God can and can't do through you. God took a Paul, the apostle Paul, who was Saul, who was a persecutor of the early church and made him one of the greatest apostles. God took Moses, a person who was raised Egyptian, murdered a person, you know, exiled, lived a whole nother life as a shepherd, and he ended up being the liberator of an entire race of people from an oppressive government. What can God do through you when you get rid of prejudice or uh, or minimize, I'm going to say get rid of, but minimize prejudice, false sympathy, and personal ignorance? It's not what you don't know sometimes. It's, it's all about what you're willing to, do, willing to do, which will put you in alignment with what you need to know so you can do what you need to do. You don't have to have all the answers now. As Fillmore says on page 122, judging from the plane of the personal leads into condemnation, and condemnation is always followed by the fixing of a penalty. In other words, when we're judging only from the personal, we tend to be heavy-handed with our judgments. And sometimes we don't see the long game, the long goal. See, sometimes we make short-term goals that don't take into account the long-term goal. See, if you have a long-term goal, your short-term goal should be working you towards your long-term goal. But if you're only playing a short game, it's sort of like playing, um, if you're a golfer and you only play miniature golf. So, you know, so when you're playing miniature golf, everything's a putt. Everything's a putt. You know, as someone once said, when when uh, you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. It's about perspective. So we're coming up on our last break. Again, I want to give you the opportunity to um, call in if you want to 773-5673. That's the church number. Hi, 888-558-6489, 888 888- five five eight six four eight nine make sure you call in etc also want to remind you that this show has a facebook page truth transforms with reverend galen mcdowell so make sure you check it out also want to remind you if you're in the chicago land area you will be this sunday i'll be preaching at christ universal temple about uh discovering your spiritual wholeness and now we'll take our last break and we'll be right back with truth transforms Are we nearing the end of the world? Reading the book of Revelation, you might think so, and it doesn't end well. But is it possible that the Bible's darkest story is a positive tale? Author Ed Townley 
host of the Unity Online radio show, The Bible Alive, thinks so. A Bible enthusiast, Townley focuses on the metaphysical meanings rather than the literal text. In Kingdom Come, new from Unity Books, Townley takes a fresh approach to Revelation. The kingdom, Townley explains, doesn't await us in the afterlife. It's ours to experience today as we learn to find the good even in our darkest challenges. Explore Revelation in a new light. Order the book Kingdom Come online today at unitybooks.org. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I am going to page 123, and uh, Mr. Fillmore wrote, the great Judgment Day of Scripture indicates a time of separation between the true and the false. There is no warrant for the belief that God sends man to everlasting punishment. Modern interpreters of the Scripture say that the hell of fire referred to by Jesus means simply a state in which purification is taking place. So one of the things that New Thought teaches is every day is Judgment Day. Because every day is the byproduct of previous thinking, previous feelings, previous beliefs, and previous actions. So every day is Judgment Day because we, we live in the context of cause and effect. Now, the day of judgment, which is every day, which is every moment, can be a good day or it can be a rough day based upon what we did in the past. But here's the beauty. We can always choose to be free, turn within, get a realization of who we are in God and who God is in us. And as Emmett Fox wrote in the Sermon on the Mount, Christ is Lord over karma. So I might have been reaping, I mean, sowing some negativity to and reaping negativity. But the moment I realized that 
Christ in me, my true nature is my hope of glory. At that moment, I'm free of those consequences. Uh, it doesn't mean there might be some human things that might need to be worked out, but you'll be, you'll be amazed what the consciousness of Christ in you will do to outer circumstances when you can stay in that consciousness. Also, when he talks about the hell of fire, uh, Rocco Errico, who uh, Dr. Rocco Errico, who is one of the primary Aramaic Bible teachers in the United States, uh, writes uh, in his books that hellfire or the hell of fire that that is mentioned primarily in the book of Matthew means mental torment or anguish. In other words, it's what we put ourselves through, through the um, because there's an aspect of us, our conscience, that knows when one we're doing something that's out of alignment. But sometimes even our conscience doesn't realize it at, initially or at first. But there's the corrective aspect of divine law within the soul, which is still the conscious in a way, in, in a way. not conscious and consciousness, but conscience. In the sense of that which in us that knows right or wrong. There's an aspect within us, an inner wisdom that knows when we're out of order, even when we pretend like we don't know we're out of order. This aspect creates that tension of the of the anguish or the torment that says, okay, this is out of alignment with who you are in truth. And it's a corrective process to get you back in alignment with the truth of who you are. It's not punishment. It's not punishment at all. Many people are going through hellacious experiences because of the choices that they've made. A person doesn't have to die physically, die to go to hell. There's no hell to go to after death. Hell is a state of consciousness. But if you can, as Emmett Fox wrote, whether you're in a body or not, you still experience your consciousness. So if you have a consciousness of separation and in harmony, et cetera, when you make your transition, who's to say that that's not something you got to grow through when you leave the body? We don't know. It's something to think about. But anyway, back to the book. And he gives a great example of the word hell actually being many times in the Bible being misused. Uh, in many ways, um, many times words, are, the word isn't hell, like Sheol or some other things. And we just, the Bible translators just use the word hell for, I'm sure, various reasons to drive home theological points, not necessarily being literally accurate. All right. Turn to page 124. Last paragraph. Metaphysicians have discovered that there's a certain relation between the functions and organs of the body and the ideas and mind. And he starts to talk a lot about the liver um, as being one of the aspects of in the body that is affected by the choices and judgments we make. Um, it's a very interesting concept. And, you know, many of the older metaphysicians, the Charles Fillmore's, the Ernest Holmes, uh, and, you know, many like them believe that there was a di- direct correlation between certain type of thoughts that affect certain type of organs. If you want to actually really get into that in a greater in a greater detail, what I would suggest would be one. 
Catherine Ponder's book, The Healing Secret of the Ages, because I think she does a masterful job. And it's a very thick book of explaining specific illnesses that that come about by the or through the misuse of our mental faculties. You know, so, you know, she uses the concept of the 12 powers and then says, okay, based upon where these faculties are at, when stuff is happening in this area of the body, these are some of the thought corrections that could possibly help make that particular part of the body or organ function in divine order. Another book would be, well, it's a couple of books. Another book would be uh, Louise Hayes, You Can Heal Your Life. Because she, uh, at one point, was a, a, a hardworking spiritual practitioner who took a lot of notes uh, of her sessions, her counseling sessions. And, and she started to notice how certain illnesses corresponded with certain thoughts. And this is her own, what I would call, unscientific method. And I'm saying unscientific because, you know, it wasn't based upon what science would call the measurements of saying this is a scientific study. But from her experience, these were the breakthroughs that she received as far as insight. And she used those insights to help people. And she got her people, her counselees got breakthroughs. She wrote it down in a book called You Can Heal Your Life. And people who work with the book get breakthroughs. So all I can say is try it for yourself. And if it works, great. And And if it doesn't, you still studied and, and received, a, if you work with the material, a greater realization of truth and how truth works in your body. So it's not a loss one way or another, because anytime you start studying how God can work and heal your body, that's a good day. Uh, the last book that I recommend, and there's many more that I could, um, uh, is, well, I would say Deepak Chopra has a lot of good books on the uh, health uh, medical science, health, and and thoughts you hold in your consciousness, but he doesn't go into the details that Louise Hay and Catherine Ponder does because he he comes from a medical scientist point, a medical doctor's point of view. Excuse me. The, another book would be The Science of Mind by Ernest Holmes because in his chapters on pr- being a practitioner and spiritual healing, he talks about a lot of particular issues. Again. You know, I'm not absolute in this. Well, because this organ is doing this, you were thinking this these type of particular thoughts. I'm not that absolute, but that's me. But I'm also not saying that it doesn't work. What I am saying is anytime you start studying truth, anytime you start doing self-evaluation, anytime you start having some breakthroughs in consciousness, that's a good day for you and me and for us. Because if I be lifted up, I draw all men or all people unto me. So as I rise in consciousness, I affect the whole uh, you, uh, consciousness of humanity. All right. So he goes on to say on um, page 126, he starts talking about success and justice in the world. He talks about jealousy and how it's necessary for us to release that concept because how it blinds us and from our good, but it also affects us physically. You know, we now know because he wrote this book in 1909, the the physical effects, things like stress and frustration and anxiety and anger have on the body. You know, sometimes he didn't have the medical studies to back up some of the things that he was writing about 
over 100 years ago. But we know that now. We can read, again, Deepak Chopra. We can read Dr. Larry Dossie. We can read Bruce Chilton, people who have medical degrees, who have who are doctors of medicine in their different fields, who can say these type of thoughts aren't beneficial, these type of beliefs, these type of emotions when carried too long are not beneficial to the health of your body, to the cells of your body. He talks about, um, you know, being treated unjustly by friends and employers and government and some of the things that you have to do to work through your own soul. Because here's the thing, whether you take outer action or not, it's your inner action that will determine your state of consciousness and your body and your whatever. So you can still seek justice outwardly, but just realize that and know that you're, you're in truth that true justice is always spiritual. For instance, Martin Luther King had a consciousness of God is love, but that didn't mean he didn't stop marching for the equality of blacks in America under those Jim Crow laws on the back end of slavery. You can still, he told people, you know, I've been to the promised land. He was saying I'm free, but that doesn't mean the work is over, but I'm free. And you can be free while the work still has to be done outwardly. But that means that we have to use the judgment faculty to understand that the wisdom of God, the peace of God, the love of God already is within me. Now, outer work might have to still be done. But in judgment, in wisdom, I can use my intuitive knowing to guide me where I need to go. There's an intuitive knowing within me that works, that knows what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. What to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Before we close, I want you to go to page 129, and as I've said before, with all the chapters, find three statements out of it's 11 statements on page 129. Work with them, pray with them, during the week so you can start to allow your consciousness to absorb this chapter. Again, I'm only facilitating this process to enter the teachers within you, allow the spirit of truth within you, your true spiritual nature to guide you in all things. Again, I won't be back for the next couple of weeks. So God bless you and Enjoy your couple of weeks off from Truth Transforms. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week 
as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard shares this from his book, Good Questions. We are here to learn, grow, experience, savor, exalt, cherish, create, and to use our connection with that mind to make safe decisions. We are here to share, to be fruitful, and to multiply the good over and over again. Centering on the divine within, we become still and realize that whatever happens, we are still one with God. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right, but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose, Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.